No, no, no. She's not a medical doctor, but she can sure cure your tax problems or your financial woes. She's the how-to girl. It's the Dr. Friday Show. If you have a question for Dr. Friday, call her now, 737-WWTN. That's 737-9986. So here's your host, financial counselor and tax consultant, Dr. Friday. G'day, I'm Dr. Friday, and the doctor is in the house. We are here live in studio. So if you've got a question or you're working on maybe preparing for your 2023, maybe you're selling some real estate, you're trying to figure out What's the best way to do whatever it is you're trying to accomplish? This may be the show to offer that information, at least on the tax side, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986, taking your calls, talking about my favorite subject, which is taxes. How is it going to affect if you decide to sell your your product or you sell a, a home? What is the situation and how are you going to deal with that and making sure you have enough tax? I know I was talking to a client earlier today and um, he had been selling off some of his rental real estate and he was wanting to know what percentage of taxation should he be looking at when it comes to resale of that real estate. And it's a great question because especially if you're selling multiple properties, we do have the 0% capital gains, but even if he... Even if he didn't make capital gains, he would have recapture of depreciation required on those properties because he's owned them for a number of years. So it's very important that if you have um, something like that, that you preempt just like him. He's selling them now. He wants to know what portion of those monies need to go to Uncle Sam. So if he reinvests, he's not reinvesting with um, Uncle Sam's money. So that way you can actually deal with your situation. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Uh, hit John. Hey, John, what can I do for you, sweetie? Uh, hi, uh, I've been retired for a couple of years now, and I'm planning to go back into the workforce. Uh, now, I'm collecting Social Security. I did not start collecting Social Security till my full age, uh, which was 66 plus four, four months. I was I was born in 1956. Okay. So, so I, so you know, I I'm getting full. Social Security retirement benefits. So no penalty for taking the Social Security, but it will be taxable. But go ahead. Well, that's my question, because um, uh, I I, want to go back to work part time. Uh, I was I was in sales. I was a commission salesman. And quite frankly, at this point in my life, I don't want to be working 60, 70 hours a week. And I don't want the stress of a a commission salesman. Um, So. I also have aviation experience from the Navy, so I'm thinking about possibly part-time at the airport, or there's a friend of mine in the construction business that needs help with customer service and estimates, Um, and that would be part-time. So um, both of those are in my wheelhouse. Um, So what I'm wondering is at what point, because I'm looking at the way I understand it, it looks like I am either... In uh, my, my Social Security benefits, I get I get $2,731 a month is what I get. Uh, and it looks like to me that I am either better off making under $24,000 or less or going all out and earning as much money as I can. Um, I don't know which one makes more sense. Now, if I earn over that amount, I believe because I'm earning money that I could 
um, uh, recontribute to a 401k to reduce the tax burden. So that's what I'm basically looking at is that I'm looking at uh, like three months down the road. So I'm trying to plan this out ahead of time versus having a surprise next April. And you're doing a great job. Yes, because um, so for some people that are listening, what he's basically saying, okay, I'm going to go back to work, but his Social Security, once he makes more than 24000 this provisional tax code, they take half of your Social Security plus what you earn to get to that $24,000. So in his case, really, he's already making, I think you said 22 a month. So that's 27. easily. I'm making, 20, I'm making 27, about 32000 a year. All right, so two thousand seven hundred a month. My Social Security is two thousand seven hundred right. So that's already sixteen thousand two hundred or thereabouts of the twenty-four. So you would really only be able to make like eight grand before you would fall into the world of taxes. So the question is, I mean, is it even worth going out to work if you're? I mean, I'm not saying it isn't worth it, but I mean. You know, and you could you could contribute to your retirement, like you said, as long as you're still working, you can contribute to um, retirement plan, which may help defer some of that, uh, at least up until, well, as long as you're still working for the same company, you can contribute um, as long as you want, pretty much. So it, that what means you can make another, what, 7,000, maybe 7,500 and contribute that, or if it's a 401k, theoretically, a little bit more, maybe. So, I mean, my opinion, if you, and it's hard to stop and say, okay, I'm only going to work and make this much at the type of jobs you're listing, because obviously you're a good salesman, or, I mean, you've had a lot of experience. So once you're out there doing it, it's like, oh, I can't sign this job because that's going to kick me over. You know I mean? That would just be an impossibility. It's not like you're clocking in and saying, okay, I'm going to work 10 hours a, a week and that will keep me relatively in this dollar amount. Since you're doing it based on commission, I think it's going to be harder to control that, especially if you get a rhythm going and you're able to start selling whatever the product might be. So I think you just have to sit back and say, well, what's worst scenario is the IRS can tax up to 85% of your social security. And depending on your tax bracket, that would be, let's just say 20% if you're outside the 12 already. Um, so, you know, that's still but, keeping most yeah. of it in your pocket. Okay. But they can't, they can't, re they won't reduce my benefits. They're just going to tax the benefits is what it'll come out. A hundred percent. Yes. And, and in theory they will, I mean, depending, I'm assuming you probably earned a lot more knowing that you're making 27 than you will now, but for some people, theoretically they could earn more and they will reevaluate every year if you're social security, because you'll be paying in to social security, which is the, the bad side of this conversation there's no way of excluding yourself from social security now that you're already on it um but yes i mean there, there's no way of them taking money out now i'm gonna put a provisional in there medicare is means tested is what i call it they basically will look and say if you make less than 94 and again i think at this point this won't be a problem but you need to make less than ninety-four thousand, or they can take more out in medicare for a single person Okay, one other question because because I, I understood it differently, so I'm glad I called because I thought it was I thought I thought that uh, they didn't count my Social Security as income on uh, um, you know that they counted yeah. the income I made and then they started taxing the Social Security. So I thought it'd be tax I thought they'd be taxing like 10 percent. So the other question would be okay if I went the other way and went for a job earning more money. Let's say mm -hmm. let's say I went. 
and I wanted to, because um, uh, I'm, you know, I'm single. So if I said, well, you know, at this point in life, uh, you know, I can get by on, say, $60,000 a year, could I just si- simply suspend my Social Security benefits while I'm working and then reapply for them when I needed them? And, I don't think you can once you're on full Social, Social Security. Security. I'm not going to claim I'm an expert. Let me put that little caveat out there because there okay. might be someone that knows the answer to this. I know if you take an early Social Security, you can do that. But I don't think if you do it at your actual Social Security age, you can suspend it. But it's a great question, and I, I'm not sure if I know the exact yeah. answer on that one. Okay, so I need to talk to a Social Security expert because actually technically what happened is that uh, – is that about five years ago I, I had a stroke. I recovered extremely oh well, gosh. but that's what forced that's what forced my early retirement. Mm-hmm. And I've recovered extremely well. And then once I hit full Social Security age, it changed from SSD to SSA. Yes. So technically Re- SSA now, regular. Yeah. Well, yeah, I will say this: I'm not a financial planner, but what's the harm in taking your Social Security and earning more money? I mean, again, you're going to be paying tax, but sooner or later, unless you can live off Social Security, we're all going to pay tax on Social Security, either through retirement funds or otherwise. Um, I yeah. mean, you, now that you're back on your feet, I mean, there was a reason why you were on disability Social Security at the time, but now it sounds like you've you've done an you know, amazing job and you've recovered. You want to get back out there and at least, you know, try to do what you want to do. So I don't know if I would let, I mean, personally, okay. and again, I'm not a financial, I'm a tax person, I, but I don't think I, I would right, let right. Social Security stop me. I think I just go out there and make as much money as I can. And well, worst scenario is I pay a few dollars in tax on Social Security, but you're still keeping 80% in your pocket and you can reinvest that to grow or to use in your lifestyle. Right, right, right. Right. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah. I was, okay. Well, no, it, it, it makes sense. Well, because that was that was my that was like plan B. Plan B was, well, you know, just go ahead and make some more whatever I can handle because I don't want to over I don't want to overstress myself. That's why I don't want to go back into sales because. Um, yeah, that would be possibly a little bit that, more that, stressful, that, especially. That is stressful. It is. Everybody thinks a salesman sits on their butt and doesn't do anything. But that's not true. <laughs> uh, I, I know uh, that's not the case. <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. Yeah, Thanks for I, I calling. Over, I used to have over a hundred thousand, but okay. Well, thank you so much. Thanks no problem. So much. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Okay. Bye. Bye. Okay. Let's go to Melody real quick. Hello, sweetheart. Can I help you? Hello. Is it Melody? Yes. Yes. This is Melody. Hello, sweetheart. Um, I, I, uh, the only question I have is how old do you have to be or when is the cutoff for filing a tax return? You know, that is a great question, and I'm asked that a lot, and there is none. You can be, and I have people in their mid-90s that still have to file tax returns. I have a 98-year-old that their son, who's not necessarily very young, but they both come in, and we have to file taxes because they have enough retirement and Social Security and investments that require filing. So it's really based on income. Um, If you're only collecting Social Security, then you don't have to. that's what I'm saying. All I collect is Social Security. If that's all you have, and even if you had a few dollars in pensions or something else, you would not be required to file. If you're only on Social Security, you are not required to file a tax return. Thank you, because I don't have anything but that at all. Then you, you are in perfect position not to file taxes. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you for the phone call. I appreciate it. All right. Well, 
You too. Bye-bye. We're going to take a quick break here uh, in a minute. And then if you want to join the show, you can at 615-737-9986. Again, 615-737-9986. We talk about taxes or money issues. Maybe you're in the process of handling an estate, someone, uh, or maybe you're at a position where you want to make sure your estate is in good shape. And you've got a question about that, you can certainly give us a call. We'll be right back with the Dr. Friday Show. All right, we are back here live in studio. That is always so hard. Um, and we've got a caller on the phone. Let's get Phil, see if I can help him figure out what's going on. Hey, Phil, what's happening? Uh, yeah, thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm curious about the non-filing, if all you're making is Social Security. Uh, Uh I'm 50. My wife is 57. And the only income she has is her Social Security disability. Are you saying that she doesn't have to file? Well, in theory, she does not have to file. But then you would have to file married filing separately. And you can't claim her as your spouse, so you may be in a higher tax bracket even though she's not going to have taxable income. I have found in many cases it's cheaper to pay tax on the Social Security than it is to lose the marriage status. Okay. Well, does that make so sense? Much. I mean, you know, theoretically, no. She, I mean, answer your question, no. She does not have to file. But I'm assuming you're the breadwinner, and when you file, you file you guys jointly and pick up her income or her disability on the tax return, you could try calculating what it is married filing separately. But like I said, there are certain penalties, and I find that sometimes it's not beneficial to do that. Okay. Thank you so much. I know. It's a great call. Thanks. That's someone that was actually listening because I have had more than one person call her or come in and ask about that. And there are times when married filing separately makes sense. Uh, one of the biggest times that I a lot of times will will look at it at least is when one spouse is self-employed because keep in mind when both names are on a tax return both people are completely 100% liable for any tax information put on that return as well as any tax dollars due on that return and so if you are married to somebody that's self-employed that doesn't make their quarterlies or you find that they, you know, maybe their bookkeeping isn't great because you're not necessarily looking at every single thing they do. When you file a joint tax return and they put on their business information on that tax return, you now are taking a portion of that information for yourself. You're signing off saying that is correct, that we agree with this information. So I have some situations where that's not the case, where the both aren't necessarily confident in each other. So it's easier to file them separately. But there are times when that is also going to create a penalty of some sort when it comes to that situation. So just make sure when you're doing it that if you have a penalty or or you, you're not sure, um, especially when it comes down to when people are not um, tracking their sales or their information. I mean, I know a lot of people feel like, well, all I have to report to the government is what they know about, which is usually like the 1099 um, that they have 1099s, 1099Ks. But let's be honest, in most businesses, there is a cash side to it or checks. Um, and just because it's not in the business doesn't mean 
that you do or do not have a responsibility to making sure that is um, on the on the book. So again, just make sure whatever information is being put on. I have a couple cases where people, you know, get behind on taxes and, and the person getting behind on those taxes is usually the entrepreneur or the self-employed. The person usually not behind on taxes are individuals that have had W-2s. Now, I say usually because I have people that claim married and two, but it's really married and zero or married you know, um, questionably only reason, because if you have two working people making more than about $80,000 to 150 each, you now are basically hitting that different tax code. When we check the box married on our W-4, it basically means that you are supporting someone else, a spouse of some sort. And if your spouse is making as much or more than you, then there may be an adjustment required for you to actually not do that. And there is nothing wrong. I've had people come in and say, well, you said that I should claim single, but I'm not single, so I don't want to claim that. Well, you only have two options. You either claim single, which is an option, and it doesn't mean you are single. It's just the status so that they take out more taxes, or you have to go and put in the information with additional withholdings, right? That's perfect too. Well, many times, instead of making any adjustment, we just calculate, okay, we owed you know $5,000 at the end of the year. So guess what? We decided that it was better to have an extra $500 a month come out of the paychecks instead of trying to come up with penalties, interest, and always having to come up with $5,000. It's not an easy thing to do. So if you have a situation where you're every year having to pay money, having to deal with tax issues, then you need to give us a call. I mean, if nothing else, let us help try to get that balanced out so that you then can continue to do your own taxes. It's not like you're doing anything wrong with your taxes, but you're not um, making the adjustments that are required. So we need to be able to figure out whatever adjustments, make sure those adjustments are going into play and, and then making sure that that information is out there so that you're able to really take advantage because what fun is it to think that you, uh, you know, you take your paycheck every week, you think taxes have already come out. And then at the end of the year, you have to pay five, six, seven thousand dollars And then you're trying to figure out, oh my gosh, where is it? It's not like you have it sitting in the bank many times, especially if there's children and sports and all the things that happen in life. Sometimes people aren't sitting on all that, or it puts a financial or worse, even you have to take money out of retirement account, which then means you have a 10% penalty plus, um, you know, the taxes or whatever else that's going to be due on it. So you kind of putting yourself in the cycle of always being able to be behind. So it, it's not easy, but it's fixable. It's a controllable situation. And it's a way that you can then get back on track because the only way, and that happens for, I, and I have entrepreneurs or self-employed individuals and some Sometimes they'll come in and say, no, I don't like to pay estimated taxes. One, it's not really a choice. It's not like, well, I don't like to pay them. Well, that's fine. But realize there's a penalty for any entrepreneur or self-employed individual that owes money at the end of every year that there is a penalty for not making quarterlies. Now, if you're married to someone that is paying in more than enough taxes for both your entrepreneurship and them then no, you don't have to make quarterlies. As long as the government's getting their money, they don't care who's paying it. But otherwise, for a business to be successful, you have to take into account the partners you have. And one of the partners we all have in business as entrepreneurs 
is plain and simple, the IRS. Now, depending on how much ownership they have, depends on the profitability of your company. But that doesn't change the fact that we all have them as partners in the business and that we have to make sure that that partner's been paid before we distribute or do anything else. Because it's just the way it is. I mean, it's not like there's a question about it. Sure, there may be some great ways to reduce taxes, but one of those ways is buying a big car. Oh my gosh. I can't tell you last week I had three new people come in and every single one of them said, well, what if I buy a car? One was uh, a consultant that never left the house, did all the consulting online, but they were going to buy a 6,000 pound car or bigger because they were told they could take a section 179. Um, another was a person that ran a, um, uh, like a jewelry or some uh, a discount store of some sort. Um, and they were basically told that they could buy a vehicle for over 6,000. I said, well, do you, do you actually, I mean, because driving from home to the store is not a tax deduction. So do you drive it? Are you going to wrap this vehicle to promote your jewelry store? Is it going to be used solely for the purpose of a business? Because um, believe it or not, people, when you buy those vehicles, they have to be used 100% for a business. Now, if you're a contractor, a construction, and you have to drive your truck every single day because you're picking up and delivering and, and everything is required, that truck hauls things, you need a truck, that's fine. But if you don't have a business that requires a 24-hour car and you don't want to wrap it, now I do believe if a vehicle is wrapped, you still can't take a Section 179 if it's not used 100% for a business, but you can at least get the deduction of using it and taking some miles used to promote the business. But that's even got to be tracked properly. So just keep in mind, I know every new business owner comes in and first thing they say, well, I'm going to buy a vehicle and then that way I can write that vehicle off in my business. I'm sorry, guys, that is not that simple. And there are ways of doing some of that in the right types of businesses, but not every single business qualifies for a 6,000 ton car or more and, and 6,000 pound car or more um, to, to itemize. So just keep that in mind. All right, let's see if we can hit Randy before the break. Hey, Randy, what can I do for you, sweetie? Yes, ma'am, I got a question. Uh, uh, my dad passed away and I'm trying to liquidate his estate. He didn't have a will, okay. but he instructed me to give money to people, and that's quite a large sum of money. One is a hundred thousand, and a couple at thirty thousand. My understanding is I can't do that as an inheritance because he didn't have a will. I would have to do it as a gift. Is there any way I can give that to uh, money to these people without having to pay taxes on it? A gift tax? Well, I mean, you, the person handling the estate, in essence, your father would have to pay the taxes first or the state has to pay all taxes. Then you can gift them by filing, giving them as much as he wishes tax-free through the gift taxing. Uh, but there's no tax. Remember, we have like $11 million for actually gift tax. But um, so the person giving the gift is the person that pays the tax. So your father's estate would have to pay any tax. So if this is in an IRA, and I don't know where the money, I'm just saying, you'd have to make sure the taxes were already paid on the money. Then you can gift it to anybody that your father wished it to be gifted to tax-free. So like he has, he has several hundred thousand dollars, but if I want to give somebody a hundred thousand dollars, it's in cash and I don't, I, taxes have all been paid on it. I can just give 
somebody a hundred thousand right. dollars. Now you can, but there is a gift tax return we have to file. It's not going to be any tax dollars due, but the government does want to know that you gave Jimmy Bob a hundred thousand dollars, and they want his name, address, and social security number, if nothing else, just to track where that money came from. But it, it is not going to be taxable to Jimmy Bob in my example. Um, it is uh, it's going to be tax free to that person. There's just a paper trail that's going to be acquired, no tax due. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. So I was thinking I was about to pay tax. Uh, I was about to pay a tax. I didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't no, that's the beautiful tax. thing of gifting. It's just you know tracking it and making sure you have the information when you do it. But other than that, you can follow up with whatever Dad wanted. Okay, well, I appreciate you answer. Thank you very much. No worries. Thanks, Matt. All right, we're going to take another break here. When we get back, we'll get to more of your phone calls. The number here in the studio is 615-737-9986-615-737-9986. And we'll be right back with the Dr. Friday Show. Dr. Friday Tax and Financial Firm. I'm an enrolled agent licensed by the Internal Revenue Service to do taxes and representation. So that's why we talk so much about taxes, people. That's the only thing I'm really, really good at. All right, we've got Wednesday on the line. Let's see what Wednesday needs. Hello, Wednesday. Yes. Hello, sweetie. What can I do for you? Hi, I have got a question. Um, my, my mother, who lives with us, um, we, hey, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. My phone was okay. just going crazy. <laughs> um, my mother who lives with us, we filed our taxes this year and claimed her, I guess, as okay. a dependent because she gets the majority. She does have Social Security, which mm-hmm. is like $1,800, and then she gets a 560 something dollar pension. So does she need to file taxes for herself with that well, income? Or no, she doesn't. I mean, she's not making okay. enough. With 560 that would be, what, $6,000, a little over 6000 plus what she's getting yeah. in Social Security of nine. That wouldn't kick her into a taxable situation. Um, and so that would well, be, she gets, you know, she said gets right at, yeah, eighteen twenty nine and some change. Yeah. So she's okay not to file in because okay. right. half know of that is about to... 11000 and then the other six, that puts her below the situation, so she would not be in a taxable situation. Okay, okay, because she keeps stressing over it, and I'm I know. Well, you yeah. know, they were raised okay. to always file their taxes, so they yes. like to make sure that they've always filed, so I have to give them credit yeah. for that, but uh, yeah. tell her she's fine. Okay, I appreciate right. it, and you have a good week, okay? Hey, you too. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. All right, let's see if we can hit the line. Ricky's on the line. Let's see if I can help Ricky. Hey, Ricky. How you doing? I am doing awesome. What can I do for you, bud? I have a question on withholding tax. Okay. Say if I won fifteen or $20,000 on a scratch-off ticket or something like mm-hmm. that, what is the maximum I could win and not let them withhold anything? Well, I would say that would be... That would depend on your actual other income. I mean, if that is all you, you know, you had one scratch off and you received 
$15,000, you wouldn't have to have them rehold anything. You may owe a few pennies in taxes, but not a whole bunch. But if you have other income, let's say you're making 50000 at your job and you win another fifteen, that's going to be at the 22, assuming you're single, that's going to be at the 22% tax bracket. So you're going to at least have them take out 20%, you know, to cover the tax on that particular situation. So very few people probably could scratch off, even if you're just living off Social Security, if you, you know, if you received a fifteen dollars or $20,000 scratch off, you probably now make your Social Security taxable. So you would have some taxes due in most cases. Reason Sorry. I was wondering, I'd rather not pay the withholding and take that money that I would have to pay and put it in a CD or something, let it draw what little it'll draw until tax filing date. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I really don't know how it works, but I've been told at least I, I did have a client this year win the million dollars. Um, and my understanding was basically the IRS is standing there at that time, um, you know, or not physically, but you know, the, the information, they are not letting the money go until the taxes have come out. Um, so they, you know, they automatically took out $300,000 from, from that to, uh, give uncle Sam their share. And then he could wait for the refund or whatever. But, um, in his case, that's what works. I'm assuming it works on everybody. I don't know, um, if it, if you make only like four or 5,000, if it would actually go without tax, but I think anything in the tens, fifteens or twenties, they're going to want their share. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Ricky. Good question. All right. We are on the Dr. Friday show. And if you want to join the show, you can at 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. During the last break, I did get someone that came in and said that, you know, could a dentist office have a vehicle that's a tax deduction? So again, if you are running four or five locations and you are the manager of all four or five locations and, and you own the business, then I would say you have the ability to, to take off a vehicle. Now, do you need a 6,000 pound vehicle or do you want a smart car? That would really be more of your own personal situation, but you know, you have to figure out what's going to be best for your business, but keep in mind for a bit, a car that you're taking as depreciation, of a section 179, the accelerated depreciation on a bigger vehicle, that vehicle has to be 100%. If you're going to just buy a car that you use for a portion of business and you write off a portion of its expenses and a portion of its maintenance and everything, you can do that. Um, but that's not the question most people are coming in and asking. They want to go buy F-150 and use part of it for work and part of it for personal. Um, and then they want to write it all off for business. So, I mean, this is an area where the IRS has not necessarily dropped the ball. They have um, when, you know, one of the largest areas of audit that I have seen in the last number of years is completely auto expense, either people taking high business depreciation on automobiles, um, you know, keep in mind that, you know, big construction companies, uh, you know, in most cases they have to depreciate the vehicles because they have more than uh, three vehicles. So they have to depreciate and then take actual expenses and not documenting that correctly um, in an audit can come back because one of the first questions they always ask we turn in all the gas receipts and we turn in all the things and the first thing how do we know this gas receipt was used for this vehicle you know and because we wrote the number on it but that's you know 
that's one of those situations where you do need to make sure you're doing very, you know, ex excellent uh, documentation if you're tracking multiple vehicles and miles. Because the government has found statistically um, that a large number of people exaggerate their miles. So just putting that out there is very important because, again, it is a, a I mean, 62.5 per a mile. So 62 cents 0.5 per a mile is what we're getting in miles right now. And that is a nice, a very nice tax deduction. If you're tracking it properly and doing it right, then you are in a good situation to be able to write off a lot of miles. I mean, let's be honest, real estate people and other individuals are all doing that kind of situation, but it's not one of those situations where you can just turn things around. So you need to make sure you're tracking it. You're not just looking up and saying, well, I must put about 20,000 miles on my car. Not really going to fly, guys. You really need to make, because again, this is one of those areas that does wave a flag when it comes to the Internal Revenue Service. Good documentation always wins out if you're ever audited. I mean, it's easier with supplies and maintenance in some guys because you have the invoices, you have the receipts, but when it comes to miles, you have to have a mileage log and a mileage log can't just be first of the year I had this many miles, the end of the year I had this many miles and everything was work. I only work. I never go to the grocery store. I never go to the doctor. I never go out to dinner. I only work. So 100% of this was all business, even though we all know that's not the facts. Come on. So using a vehicle and saying it's 100%, um, unless it is a vehicle that you have that's a secondary or third vehicle and you do drive that vehicle only when you leave the office to go to work and then you come back when you're done doing it and then you switch vehicles to take care of personal items, that's great. But um, statistically, that's not the situation. So if you have questions or if you're not sure or if you've been filing your own taxes and you're trying to figure out how to do a better job of that, all you have to do is give us a call at 615-367-0819. That's the direct office number, 615-367-0819. And we can help you, you know, at least start with mileage IQ, get all that straightened out and show you what the IRS expectation is. So that way you're never you know, kind of flying blind and just using educated guesses or expectation of, well, my friend said this is how many miles they rode off. So I figure I can use the same. That's not going to really fly either, guys. I'm pretty sure the revenue officer sitting across from you is going to say that that's not the way we track miles, people. So if you want to join the show, you can at 7379986 is the number here in the studio. We are live today. So if you have a question or if you want to understand more about how you might be able to save some tax dollars or just to make yourself more audit proof, because sometimes people work so hard to save every single dollar in taxes, maybe not necessarily understanding how the tax law exactly works. So maybe they're stretching certain things that they should not stretch. Then that would be a question that you have to figure out. Everything on that tax return should be justified. That way you can put it to bed, never have to really think twice. And then you know what you have going on, right? Because that's the easiest way to do taxes. Get the documentation, put it together, 
scan it all in. It does not have to stay as paper. You don't need to have 15 filing cabinets of every tax year you've had since the beginning of time. The government only requires seven years of taxes to be saved. And really, to be quite honest, unless something major happens, they're only going to go back three years for an audit. So you need to make sure your information stays current and that you can still read it three years later in case the IRS comes back and says, oh, wait, we want to review this information. Guess what? They can do that. But you want to make sure that you have the information for them. All right. So we're going to take our last break for the show. And then we can come back to your phone calls. If you've got a question for the show, 615-737-9986. 615-737-9986. We'll be right back with the Dr. Friday Show. Coming back here live in studio and if you want to join the show you can at 615-737-9986-615-737-9986 now let's go live to the phone to donna and see if i can help her out hey donna what's happening hello i just have one question uh we have a loved one family member that receives royalty checks um each month maybe two a month Mm-hmm. And last year was, you know, close to 50000 Um, There's not any taxes taken out during the year, right. so we file at the end of the year and pay the taxes. Would it be less if we paid anything quarterly or had them take out the taxes monthly whenever they Most- send the checks? Yeah, most likely they, I mean, obviously the royalty companies won't deduct the money because it's not the way they usually handle it. Um, and you have to pay at least 110% of the year before, so not to have penalty. So depending on, you know, like next year. So in this year, let's say this person paid $5,000 in tax, just throwing a number out there. If for some reason they do owe any money in 2023, if they don't pay 110% of what they owed the year before, they're going to get hit with a penalty for not paying quarterlies. So the answer is they should at least try to pay quarterlies. And I'm not sure if there's any way of knowing what their royalties will be, because that's one of those fairly unpredictable situations. Uh, but you know, I would definitely suggest setting aside the money and at least sending in what you find is taxable. I mean, so let's say this year they only owe $2,000, but at least if that was prepaid, the penalty will be minimal, if nothing, versus waiting until April 15th or whatever the due date is there directly next year uh, to pay it. So there is a penalty for waiting. Okay. I think what we paid in was around $4,400. Okay. Uh, that's how it was calculated when I you know, mm-hmm. did the taxes for them. That's about right. But I just wanted to make sure that we were doing it correctly because this is the third year that we've done this. This year, everything's down. I mean, the checks are even down. I don't know. Yeah. It probably has to do with the drilling but, and all this, but... Um, like, you might know the tax the rate that so this far. person's in, though. You could probably hold back the tax rate knowing that this person is, you know, estimating between their social security and I'm assuming their social security. I don't know that, but, um, and the royalty or just the royalty, um, you know, it does go up as you go, but at least the first 50,000 is going to be at 12% per se, you know? Um, so at least setting aside that money and sending it in quarterly, or at least a portion of it quarterly is going to save you tax dollars because there's got to be some penalties in some of these years, some years you may be overpaying, but since you're waiting to the last to file it, there would be some penalty every year. 
So how would I would I contact the IRS and ask for a quarterly tax form, or would I just no? Print it should those come out of your tax software. It's called a 1040 ES. Whoever's filing right. the taxes should should give those to you, um, or you could Google 1040 ES and go right onto the IRS.gov and you can print them out. Yes, I print those for my brother because he has his own. There you go. See, you know what you're doing. Me. Yeah. But this person's well, this person's only 40 years old and is single, okay. and and so that gets to the world abuse. But I wanted to make sure we were doing this correctly. But we may start trying to pay those quarterly because we do hold back some of the money. Good. I mean, it's just why not pay some of it? I'm not saying we don't want big refunds either. I don't want the government holding on to a ton of the money, but at least sending in some would eliminate some or portion or all, depending on, I mean, royalties aren't as easy with the, than a self-employed person that you know is probably earning so much every month. This one's a little bit different because it's based on whatever the royalty is based on a book or a song or whatever. Um, so, but I would be paying something. Yes. An answer, okay. Well, this was an inheritance from uh, from Pennsylvania and West Virginia. Oh. So, okay. Well, this has been very helpful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. All right. So we were talking about um, taxes. I do want to bring up a fact that uh, for many of you, or some of you, I should say, people that live in Hardin, McNary, Cannon, Hardeman, Haywood. Lewis, Macon, Rutherford, which is the big one, Tipton, and Wayne, all of you guys do have an extension till July 31st due to the storm. So if you did not file your taxes, you did not pay your taxes, you have until 731 to still be current. Even if you if you didn't file an extension, you are still good because the IRS automatically gave you guys an extension. So again, if you are in one of those counties, big one that I deal with is Rutherford. If you're in Cannon or Rutherford and a couple of the others, or if you're not sure, you can call contact us. But if you're in one of those counties, you didn't file your taxes, you didn't file an extension, or you filed and you need to pay the taxes, you do have an extra extension till July 31st to deal with that. So in some cases, you may not be late, even though at this moment you're thinking, oh my gosh, I didn't file my taxes. I forgot to file an extension. I had someone call me yesterday or Friday, yeah, yesterday and say, um, can you make sure you file me an extension? And it was a bit funny on my side because you're thinking the extensions had to be filed by April 18th and we're in May. So it seemed a little bit late to ask your tax person if they filed the extension or not. Good news is we had filed the extension. The bad news was my tax client did not realize that taxes apparently were due on or before April 18th in most cases. But if you are in one of those counties, again, the big ones that I know of is Cannon, Macon, um, and Rutherford. Those will be counties that do have an automatic extension into giving you guys until July 31st to file your 2022 taxes. So some of you might have just got a little bit lucky um, on, on at least uh, hopefully you didn't end up with any storm damage, but got lucky because you're in one of those counties and you're able to take advantage of the extension provided by the Internal Revenue Service. If you've got questions on that or just Questions on doing taxes, you know, it's time to get yourself on track. It's time to just say, hey, you know what? I'm going to stop playing that catch-up game or worse, where you're putting the love letters from the IRS in a drawer or something and you're just ignoring them. It's time to get straight. Why not? 
Let's find out what the IRS wants. Let's figure out how we can do it. Because I keep telling everybody, just you, you don't want to wait till you're back on your feet and you've got all the situation and you're finally ready because then they're likely to get more money. If you're renting a place and your your income is low and you have IRS issues and you're ready to deal with them because making a deal with the IRS doesn't mean, oh, it's, it's all disappeared. You have to stay current. You have to be kind of what I say, a good little taxpayer for the next five years. But if you're ready to do that, when you're actually in this kind of situation, now's the time to have that conversation. As an enrolled agent licensed by the Internal Revenue Service, that's what I do. I do taxes. I'm kind of like superwoman between you and the IRS. I can protect and make sure that we get the best situation in your case. But if you don't want to come in and deal with it, then there's nothing we can do to protect you. The IRS does have its own unique courts and their own way of doing things. So if you want to make sure that you're going to get the best deal that you can have and you want to first, we got to get you in compliance, which means filing tax returns, means making sure that we understand what the IRS is actually trying to collect on moving forward on any of those kind of situations. Once we know what we're going to have to do, we're not one of those companies that's going to call us up and say, oh, we can do with everything. Start paying us. Can you give us $1,500 out and pay us $500 a month without even knowing what you can do for me? No, let's not do that. Let's make sure you have someone that's going to be in your corner, someone you can come in and talk to, mostly someone that's going to help you deal with it. It's not something that's going to happen fast. It takes almost a year from the moment that you start working to actually get through what we call an offer and compromise or a payment plan. So again, making sure that your information is going through, making sure we have everything in play, making sure that you're getting the best that you can get. And most importantly, that you're going to be able to continue doing that year after year after year. So you don't have to go backwards and try to save a house or save, you know, I mean, I even have one where their name was on their child's uh, bank state uh, bank account and the IRS took that money because any bank account that your name is on and you don't have a payment plan or an offer and compromise on the table or anything, they have the ability to take money from any account that has your name on it. If you owe the IRS, so they can go to your employer, which could be a bit embarrassing, right? We don't really want them coming to our employer, taking a look and saying, oh yes, uh, we have some back debt issues. Now we have to start levying your paycheck that is not going to be a good situation. So if you need help, you can call my office Monday morning, 615-367-0819. 615-367-0819. You can email Friday, just like the day of the week, F-R-I-D-A-Y at drfriday.com. Again, Friday at drfriday.com. Or check us out on the web. Maybe you've never even, this is the first time you turned on the show and you're like, oh my gosh, who is this crazy person? This is, you can go to drfriday.com. drfriday.com is the website. We're here to help represent and to teach you about what you can and can't do in taxes, but more importantly, to be in your corner if you're dealing with the IRS or other tax issues. I'm really hoping that you guys are enjoying the tax this uh, Saturday, and we're going to see you next Saturday.